You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everyone. Adam Tarno here. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Better Man Podcast. Our guest today is Jaime Loya, Jaime and his wife, and their kids live down in San Benito, Texas. He is the senior pastor of Cross Church and is also one of the Better Man teachers. And so today, Jaime and I discuss a subject that is relevant to all men, and that is passivity and apathy. We discuss why men struggle with apathy, what are some of the role models out there that promote apathy, and more importantly, how can we break this cycle? It's a helpful conversation. I know you're going to appreciate Jaime's wisdom. So take a listen to our conversation, and then I'll be back with some closing comments. Uh, Jaime, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Adam. It's a pleasure. Uh, You shared a message with the men at your church a few months ago. It was from a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 30. Uh, Why don't you do this? Why don't you tell us about that parable and what you shared with the men of your church that morning? Uh, Well, let me begin by saying I think uh, men are in trouble today. Mm. Uh, We haven't had the best of role models or examples either growing up or in our society and culture. And so we are having to define for men what masculinity really is, Mm. not according to culture, but according to Jesus, according to the Bible. Yeah. Uh, You know, just going back to our creator, I tell people all the time, if you want to know the purpose for, for which you were created, you need to go to your creator. And the same applies to manhood, womanhood, right? And all of the above. And so, you know, I shared this parable out of Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus was speaking. And he said that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And we can get into that parable here in just a moment. But the gist of the parable is about the fact that while men slept, the enemy came in and sowed bad seeds. And so the crux of the message to men today is that we cannot allow ourselves, we cannot afford to fall asleep on our watch. Yeah. And, you know, not only are our children going to be impacted, but our culture, our society. And so I believe that God is calling men to, to wake up, if you will, mm. spiritually wake up to what's going on around us. You know, sometimes I think we get too busy for our own good and we kind of ignore the gauges. You know, we might be headed in the wrong direction or we're having some type of family breakdown and we see it happening. We know it's happening. What we don't know is what to do about it. And so but I really believe in men's ministry. I believe it's it's vital. I believe that a lot stems from the overall emotional, psychological, and spiritual health of men in our churches and in our in our society. Yeah. So why do you think it is that men struggle so much with this sleep, with this apathy, this uh, this passivity? Why, why does this seem to be a characteristic of men uh, more so than, uh, than women? Um, well, again, I think we just haven't never had it defined for us, you know, especially in our culture. You know, I come from the Hispanic culture. And so like, like many cultures or subcultures, you know, we come from fatherless homes. You know, I remember on one occasion having a very heated but healthy conversation with my dad. And one of the things that he did in or said, rather, he said, you know, I'm sorry that I haven't been a good dad because I never had a dad. Hmm. And so that really uh, shaped the way I thought 
and the way I perceived even my own childhood growing up. I was able to find forgiveness for my father because, you know, I learned at that moment, he really never talked about his dad, but I learned at that moment that he was abandoned as a child, that he was abused growing up. Things my dad shared with me that he had never shared with me before. Yeah. And uh, it was a very sobering moment. Uh, but at the same time, I was able to find the forgiveness and the, the uh, compassion that I needed for my own father. And that helped me to be a better dad. How do you see men at your church and the men that you're interacting with, how do you see them absorbing what the cor- what the culture does throw out there as pictures of masculinity? How do you see them? How do you see that impacting them? Yeah. Well, you know, I sometimes I call culture a weapon of mass distraction. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you know, just because we're distracted, you know, we have the world defining for us what real manhood is. And then we have our creator you know, and the word that truly defines what real manhood is. And men are having to decide uh, what real manhood is. And one thing that's that's important from the parable is, you know, in that same passage, it says when it talks about the bad seeds that were sown in the field. And one of the servants said, uh, or the Lord said, the enemy or an enemy has done this. And so I think what's important is that we all understand that we have a common enemy, Mm. right? Call it apathy, uh, call it uh, passivity, call it what you may, but we have a common enemy that we're all trying to fight. We have hurdles that we're all trying to, to overcome. And so I think that church has a lot to do with making men what we call better men. Yeah. You know, there's only one perfect man. We know that. And that was Jesus Christ. And so we're not calling men to be perfect. We're calling men to be better, to be better fathers, to be better role models, to be better husbands, uh, to be better servants of the Lord, to be better entrepreneurs, you know, to just be better. The Bible gives us a higher standard, if you will, of living. So, Hami, what, you know, for you and, and what you're seeing, what are some clues that a man might be struggling with this apathy or might be asleep? Because uh, I would imagine that there's a lot of men that would even hear uh, this idea of apathy or being asleep, and they would go, oh, yeah, I don't struggle with that. I'm, I'm engaged all the time, right? But, uh, but they still may be one of those that Jesus was talking about there in the parable that is asleep. So what would be some clues that you may be a man who is struggling with apathy right now? Well, I think, I think just based on the parable, you know, you see the tears Mm. kind of growing up with the wheat there. I think that when you start seeing the warning signs, maybe in your marriage and your children, you might not be as engaged as you think. You might not be, as they say, as woke yeah. as you might perceive. And you can see it. You know, like I said, I think we we do see, uh, but we don't always perceive. Mm. You know, we see what's going on with our kids. We see kind of them distancing themselves. We see our, our marriages, if you will, kind of losing that spark. Uh, but we don't perceive what must be done in the moment. And, uh, and so I think that when you start seeing those tears, if you will, just based on, on the parable, you know, again, the Bible says uh, that the, the tears were sown. I want to make sure I read it right. Yeah. It says, while men slept, his enemy came, sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. And so when you see those tears starting to grow up, again, the warning signs, you know, maybe your relationship starts to change along the way, whether it be with your children or with your family or with your spouse. Uh, I think those are all warning signs of, of, okay, something's not right here. And then just start making those course corrections. 
you know, start making those course corrections. And I think a lot of it, Adam, also stems from our relationship with God. I tell people all the time, your relationship with others will only be as good as your relationship with God. Uh, that's good. Because that's our primary relationship. You know, God is the son that our world revolves around. And so if your relationship with God is suffering, right, if it's not where it's supposed to be, your other relationships are not as good as they should be, just based on that one relationship. And so, again, you know, it's just a matter of man being honest with themselves, right, looking and evaluating their relationship with God in, a, in an honest and transparent way. And if they know that their relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, with their creator, is not where it's supposed to be, well, then chances are that other relationships are suffering as a result. That's exactly right. And then even, you know, just the simple asking questions of those who are closest to you. I mean, I know I've, I've been through times where I think I've been challenged to, hey, ask your wife or ask your kids, do you feel like I'm engaged right now? Is there is there anything else you need from me? Do you feel like I'm giving you attention right now? Which can be a scary question to ask, or it can be a very vulnerable question to ask, but it's great to get that feedback, as you said, because we may see some things but not be perceiving what's really going on below the surface. And so sometimes even just asking those around you, what are their thoughts of how engaged you are could be very helpful as well. Yeah, and I think it's a matter of discerning the difference between the fruit and the root. Yeah. You know, the fruit is obviously the acting out, the distancing. Um, you know, you know something's wrong, something's not right. But what's the root of that? What's the root of that? And really attacking the root. You know, a lot of this that we read about in the parable could have been solved had they stopped the enemy from the get-go, right? Once once this bad seeds were sown and the tares were growing up amongst the wheat, there was really nothing you could do at that point to get rid of that. Uh, and so, again, the uh, the idea and the goal here is to be proactive and not reactive. And I think too often men are reactive and we're not proactive enough. And so the bottom line is we don't want to fall asleep. We don't want the enemy to come and sow bad seeds where we have been laboring to sow good seed because we're going to have a time dealing with those tears later on if we don't deal with it on the forefront or at the forefront. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got a lot of responsibility where you are uh, pastoring a church, leading your family. Um, I'm sure you get tired, right, sometimes, and especially as a church leader going through the pandemic and going through 2020. What are some things that you do, Jaime, that help you stay engaged in, in rejecting this apathy? What are some some of those ways uh, in your own personal life that you kind of keep a check on your heart, looking at the root that is there to make sure that you're abiding with Christ and not being apathetic? Well, I, I would say this. It's a challenge for everybody, including pastors, right? No matter how how spiritual you are, no matter how much you pray, no matter how near you think you are to the Lord, you're always going to struggle uh, with working probably more than you should, <laughs> uh, harder than you have to, and all of the above, the common symptoms, right, of every man. Uh, but I think, again, it's about you prioritizing your relationships, knowing what's most important. And if you know that your most important relationship is with the Lord first and foremost, and then with your spouse and children, well, then you're going to do everything possible not to jeopardize that. Yeah. And I think too often men make the mistake of wanting to work hard to give their kids what they don't have but they fail to give their children what they truly, really need. Oh, that's good. 
And so, you know, your kids are not going to remember that PS4 or, you know, PS5. Yeah, whatever we're up to now. <laughs> right. I mean, they might have a, 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 a vague recollection of, you know, their childhood. But what they are going to remember is the time you spent, the words of affirmation, you know, uh, all of the things that really are matters of the heart, you know, because that's really where those seeds are sown. It's, they're sown in the heart. And, uh, and again, you know, if you or, or anybody for that matter, or me allow the enemy to come and sow those bad seeds, we're going to have a really hard time uprooting that later on. I tell my, my, my sons all the time, I tell my sons, you know, uh, the enemy comes and sows seeds, right? Just like based on the parable, I said, and that's the moment when you recognize that bad seed that you need to uproot it. Don't let it grow a root, right? Because seeds become trees, later on in life and then you have the fruit of you know uh maybe of, of a life that you didn't desire and so that the moment for you to get to to uproot that seed is when either when it's a seed or it's a weed but you're going to have a, a a difficult time if you allow that seed to take root and become a tree having to deal with the fruit of it so what are some characteristics that you see in men who break this cycle of apathy who who wake up and start to become engaged. Uh, what, what are some characteristics you see of men who are able to do that? Well, I think one of the characteristics definitely is spirituality. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that we need to connect spirituality with masculinity. You know, Jesus obviously was the most spiritual person ever. And yet for men, he is, was the most masculine model for us to follow. And so I think we need to stop separating the two and stop thinking that to be sensitive or to be spiritual is somehow feminine. It's not. That's, that's the most masculine thing a man can do is to be sensitive to the spirit of God, to be sensitive to the needs of his wife and of his children. So I think spirituality, in my opinion, is one of the greatest characteristics. When you see men who are serving, when you see men who are involved, when you see men who are worshipers, uh, like David in the Bible. I mean, you don't get more manly than David, right? Right. Uh, he was probably one of the greatest warriors, possibly the greatest king that Israel ever had. And yet he was not ashamed to literally rip off his clothes, worship the Lord, fall on his face, cry before the people, make himself look like a fool. If it was for the Lord. And so I think that having that that idea, you know, having that notion, embracing the thought that spirituality is the definition of masculinity is going to help a man. Right. Lose that shame, lose that fear and lose whatever inhibition might be holding him back. And so that to me is one of again, one of the main uh, characteristics of, of being a real man. Is, is how spiritual you are. Yeah, yeah. Picking a different hero almost is what I, I'm hearing you say, right? You know, we talked a little bit about culture and movies and television and uh, music or whatever, you know, different types of artists that men may look and go, okay, I, I want to be like that person, especially if you didn't have a father figure in your life. I want to be like him. Uh, I want to be like that character. And so sometimes it's it's changing your hero and starting to look at some of these other men specifically in scripture, we have such great examples to go, no, 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 no. This is the, this is the life that I want to start to live. I want to start to emulate this. And so, um, yeah, that, that can be so helpful. I was reading an article 
of a very famous author who speaks a lot about leadership. And he was talking about the moments in a person's life they choose to change. And he said, there's four defining moments. And I'm going to just share two with you. He said, most people change when they hurt enough that they have to. Yeah. And I think that's true for a lot of us, right? We go through a process, we encounter some type of pain, and we know that the only answer to that is to change. But on the flip side, a more positive reason why people change is that they see something or someone and they're inspired to. Ah, that's good. You know, and so I think, again, when we look at those biblical heroes, like you said, heroes in the faith, uh, generals in the faith, uh, and, and they don't have to all be pastors or ministers, but just people who love the Lord, who love uh, their family and have raised successful children, right? People who we can call modern day heroes or mentors. And again, that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why people change is they see something or someone and they're inspired to change. Yeah. That's really good. And it's not, I mean, I think so often you would see somebody that would inspire you to want to act like them. And it usually for a lot of men is uh, some sort of financial success or sports success where they just go, okay, well, I want to, I want to be able to hit a golf ball like that person or, or shoot a basketball like that person or throw a fastball like that person. And so that inspires us to go after that. But I, I like what you're saying there. Change your definition of success a little bit. Let's not just look at bank account and uh, and trophies. Let's start to look at quality of relationships. Let's start to look at peacefulness in life. If you start to see men like that that are living that life, uh, start to follow after them and and be inspired by that. Which I remember in my own faith journey. I mean, I became a follower of Jesus when I was twenty one. I was in a fraternity in college. I didn't join the fraternity to to find Jesus. I joined it to to have relationships and to party and have fun. But there was a guy in my fraternity who lived a life that was completely different than anybody else in the fraternity, and it was Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. And I remember he had different trophies, if you will, and uh, after me chasing the other trophies, uh, I started to realize uh, that life is empty, and what this other guy has, that's what my heart truly longs for. And I was inspired to go, what, what's the difference? What's the difference? And he would go, it's Jesus. And I'm going, All right, fine, teach me who Jesus is, because I just want the life that you've got. And, uh, and it was. And so I like what you're saying, because that fits with, with uh, definitely, I think, a lot of people's experience of being inspired by somebody else can motivate you towards that change and, yeah, and yeah. Picking, picking those things wisely. That's really good. I think we have to, we have to define early on what success is. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're growing up, obviously, uh, whether or not you had a dad, you have to define for yourself what success looks like, because that can change. I mean, culture has a way of shaping and manipulating uh, what success means. But I think if you make a decision and say, this is where I want to be, this is who I want to be in my life. And you make that decision early on, well, then you strive for that. And then I think we need to, on the same token, define success for our children and let them know that success is not the size of your bank account or the size of your house. Uh, success is not having all this fame and fortune and letting them know what true success looks like. And true success, according to to uh, to me, is is based on the Bible. Yeah, you know, it's based on the Bible, and you know, it talks about that in Joshua, where where the Lord commanded him in Joshua chapter one. He said, "I have commanded you, you know, 
to be strong and to, to not be discouraged. And then he says, and you shall meditate on this book of the law so that you may observe to do all that's written in it. Right. He says, so that you might have good success. Mm. So when I read that, I'm saying, okay, if there's a good success, then that leads me to believe there's also a bad success. Yeah, that's good. I mean, there has to, there has to be a flip side, right? So if, if he talks about having good success, then in my mind, it automatically immediately thinks, okay, if there's good success, there must be bad success. And, and it sounds almost ironic, right? Like, like an oxymoron, bad success. Well, at what cost? You know, because if you're successful in the eyes of the world, but you have to sacrifice your wife and kids and your reputation and character on the altar of that success, well, that's not being successful, you know, but there is such a thing as good success. And that good success is found when we live our lives according to the word of God so that we can achieve all that God wants us to achieve and not lose our family, not lose our integrity in the process. I like that. I like that a lot. So what have you seen, you know, or how have you seen ministries like Better Man or at local churches, men's ministries? How have you seen men's ministries help men break this cycle of apathy? Well, I do want to say I so appreciate the Better Man program in ministry. Uh, because they're doing what they can. Obviously, they they see the need and they have a passion to help raise the bar in the lives of men. Uh, for too long, we have lowered the bar yeah. uh, of, of, of even the bar of gender that people don't even know who or what they are anymore. When the Bible clearly defines, makes no mistake about it, right? Again, we always go back to the book. And so, you know, programs and ministries like Better Man encourage and inspire men. We did it here at our church, and it was probably in the 25 years of being a pastor. uh, It's probably one of the best things we did for our church and for the ministry to our men. They were inspired. They They were, in a sense, broken down only to be rebuilt. Hmm. And the things that were broken down in our lives during that process, during the course of those weeks, was the pride, was the walls, was the anger, the bitterness, in our context, the machismo, you know, uh, tearing down the false definitions that the world had set for men in regards to success and real manhood. So what the Better Man program did for us is it broke us down in a sense, Hmm. only to help rebuild us and put us on the path to being the man of God that the Bible calls us to be. I love that. Do you think there's something, uh, I'm going to say the word, it's the wrong one, because um, magical almost is the word that's coming up, but there's something that God does when men are together going through this process, right? Rejecting the Lone Ranger notion of change. Like, oh, I'm just going to, it's just me and God and I'm going to change. But there's something that happens when you get together with other men to go through this learning process. Do do you see something happening there? Do you think that's part of, of how God is using men's ministries and ministries like and programs like Better Man to help these men is that they're not doing it alone. They're doing it with others. Most definitely. Uh, you know, Jesus himself gathered men 
and surrounded himself with other men, not only for him to pour into, but for them to do ministry and life together. So I think Jesus is our is our role model, without a doubt. That's There's good. a proverb, not in the Bible, but just an ancient proverb that says, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with someone else. And I think that's true. We are better together, without a doubt. Uh, Ecclesiastes, two are better than one, right? Because if one falls, his brother is there to pick him up. And, you know, the New Living Translation, because I just preached on that recently, talks about if you are attacked while you are alone, you can easily be defeated. But it says a man who stands back to back with another will not be conquered. It's something to that effect, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, uh, but it just talks about how we can do so much more uh, when we are surrounded by people we love and who love us, and especially by other godly men who can encourage us on our own journey to become better men. That's good. Well, Jaime, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I'd love just to get any final thoughts you have. Let's think about a man who's listening right now, who is uh, is, is understands what we're saying, believes God's word, uh, but is still just sitting there, just going, I, "I I just don't. I think I'm doing okay, right? I'm okay with with the status quo. I don't know why I need to try to wake up anymore or be any less apathetic. I don't know if it's going to impact anything or anybody." So what would you say to that guy? What would be some final encouragement? Well, one thing I would do is just encourage that person who is listening, right? We can all be better. Uh, I think we, we can accept that and embrace that. Now, whether you want to or not, that's a different story. Yeah, that's but good. But I think we should strive to, you know, because we want to maximize our life. We want to maximize our potential. We want to ultimately make a difference. You know, we're here on this earth to make a difference. And, you know, I was actually, I got a, a magazine this morning that I was reading and it's a very popular Christian magazine. And on the cover, it says real men make a difference. And I'm reading it right off the cover, real men make a difference. So it's interesting that on the day we're doing this podcast, yeah. I get this magazine and that's the headline, real men make a difference. That That is the idea uh, that I want every man to embrace is that a real man will make a difference. It, and not just in his family, but at work, in his community. And if, and if you are not already making a difference, you know, then you need to strive to make a difference. And, and the only way we can make a difference, Adam, is if we're different. Yeah, there you go. Right. And Romans talks about that. Romans talks about, says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, uh, so to be transformed and to be transformative, uh, we need to renew our mind according to the word of God. So that means there's things that we got to wipe from our memory. Yep. And then there's things that we have to renew and say, okay, this is what real manhood is. This is what it means to be a father. This is what it means to be a husband. This is what it means. And in some cases, a wife, right? Or a business person or a boss even. And so, again, allowing the word of God to renew our mind, redefine for us uh, what success looks like. And so I would just encourage men, wherever you are, I would just encourage you to accept the fact that we can all do better. We can all do better. We can all do more. And if we ultimately want to make a difference, then it starts with us. We have to be different. 
in order to make that difference. I love it. This has been uh, so helpful, Jaime. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast with us. I love how he ended that. Real men make a difference. That is so good. Guys, that is what God is calling us to do, to reject this mundane life that so many of us live and to be a part of making a difference in this world. And so all the little things you're doing in your life right now to reject passivity and accept responsibility, all those little things matter. Keep it up. Don't fall asleep. Your family needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. Your church needs you. And so keep it up. And so Jaime, thank you again for coming on today. Uh, Your wisdom was so helpful and I'm happy to call you a friend now. If you'd like to learn more about how you can bring the Better Man 11-week experience to your church or community, please visit betterman.com. Today's episode was mixed and edited by the amazing team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we've got for today. Once again, thank you for listening. Have a great day.